Welcome to Straight Talk with Dr. L, where we make complex topics about young children, families, parenting, and womanhood simple. Because high quality knowledge and information about navigating parenting, family, and life should be accessible, digestible, and usable for everyone. Hello, good people. Welcome to Straight Talk with Dr. L. Today, we are going to discuss the value of play. In my opinion, play is the single most important activity for developing young minds. For many reasons, but the first of which is because as Albert Einstein so brilliantly puts it, play is the highest form of research. Therefore, when you play with or watch your child play, you have entered your child's laboratory. When you enter your child's laboratory, you can watch their minds and body work. And from there, you can collect a myriad of data, important and useful information. Because I believe storytelling is one of the most effective means of communicating and teaching, I will often contextualize concepts in my personal narratives, thus making the concept come alive through the retelling of a lived experience. Then I go into the information after I've built the background for understanding through my storytelling. Today will be no different. I will tell you a story, then I will break down the concept, and I will give you tips and strategies for immediate application in your everyday life. So, let's discuss the value of play. Boom. Okay, so, I'm often asked by people, what did I do to help SDYM develop into the child that he is today? Many parents with children of disabilities, as well as parents of typically developing children, wonder about what they can do to help their child maximize their personal potential. They look for answers. What is the one thing that I did that they can do to get similar results? And I often tell parents that SDYM and I have a curriculum for life, which is very true. Nearly every single experience of SDYM's life has been a planned educational episode. And I've done this innately because I have the skill set of an educator. Therefore, I see learning opportunities and teachable moments in just about everything. But with that said, I had to start somewhere. So if I were to take a parent back to the beginning of my relationship with SDYM, who was then SDK, and identify the origin of the relationship we have now and his relationship with learning, I could pinpoint it to a single activity, play. I would say that the single thing that I did that changed his trajectory for the better and empowered me as a mother to be able to better advocate for him and speak with authority about his abilities and needs was play. 
I played with my son. I played with my son all the time. Now, in the spirit of fairness and honesty, I will say that I was a stay-at-home mom and I only had one child. And also during this time of early identification, his father was in Iraq for a year. So it was just me and my toddler living in California. So during that time, being a stay-at-home mom, having one child and having his father in Iraq, I was SDK's everything. I was his mom. I was his friend. I was his sibling. I was his favorite playmate. I was his everything. And he was my road dog and my rider. And we did everything together, including play. And being that I was his everything and we had to make it through our day successfully, I had lots of activities planned each day, lots of opportunities for play. In addition to helping me make it through our day, play had an added benefit, an extremely valuable benefit. During these episodes of play, I was able to identify certain things that I wasn't seeing SDK do just yet. Things that were typical behaviors for most children his age. I would file these little aha moments away in my brain. So while at the park watching him play, if I noticed he hadn't done X, Y, or Z yet, I would then work with him on that particular skill. Then I would notice that he hadn't done A, B, or C yet. And I would work with him towards that particular skill. Sometimes he would get it. And sometimes he wouldn't grasp the skill as quickly. And after enough of these little aha moments through play and me trying to teach skills that I wasn't yet seeing my child display, I began to realize that there were a good number of skills that my child didn't seem to present just yet. I further realized for the amount of input I was giving my child, there should have been more output than I was seeing because I was actively playing with and teaching my son every day. I was realizing that some of the things I thought he might do intuitively, his behavior and patterns of play was indicating that he had not yet acquired those skills. This was my first indicator that I was going to need assistance in helping my child maximize his personal potential. The evidence and data I saw when playing with my child and watching him play gave me insight into his development. He was researching and working in his laboratory, and I was able to identify gaps in developmental areas that I needed to go in and help him fill. 
When I realized that some of the areas that he needed assistance, I was unable to feel at my current skill level, I knew I needed to find someone to help me fill those gaps in my child's development. So with that information, I went to a service provider, his pediatrician, and I told him all the things I noticed and he did not share my concern. He heard me out. Then he checked my child's eyes, ears, and heart and told me my child was healthy. Then he said, good job, mom, and gave me a SpongeBob sticker and sent me on my way. My child was 18 months old. Now, I left that doctor's office that day angry, confused, and feeling marginalized. I was also afraid for my child. I knew something was going on and I had not been heard. And I was his advocate, so I needed to be heard. All of those emotions went through me as I sat in the car outside of this doctor's office. And I asked myself, L, if you were in the classroom, what would you do? I would teach, evaluate, assess, and refer. Now, I did not have that infrastructure at home, so I had to create it. So when I got home, I did what my child does best. We played. But this time, we played very intentionally. In addition to enjoying play, as all children do, my son really enjoyed music. So I paired playing with music and thoughtfully and intentionally and purposefully played with my child so I could observe him learn. As I observed my child learn, I wrote down very deliberate notes about what I saw my child doing in his laboratory of play. I took those very deliberate notes back to my son's pediatrician and I said, this is what I'm seeing. This is what I'm not seeing yet. These are my concerns. I was speaking in absolutes this time because I had collected data through observation of play. And with those deliberate notes that I gathered from watching my son play, I was able to get a referral to a speech pathologist. And that began my dance with service providers. And additionally, that first curriculum that I developed on my living room floor with my child to teach, evaluate, assess, and refer him, later became my company, Kinder Jam. Once I realized as a teacher with my skill set, I had not been heard by a service provider, I realized that other parents may experience the same thing. So Kinder Jam started out as a parent engagement program on military installations. Its purpose was to give parents the opportunity to deliberately play with their children so they could see how their children learn and best articulate their children's needs to service providers. If ever they would find themselves in a situation similar to what 
I experienced. I never again wanted a parent to feel marginalized when trying to help their baby. Now, because I believe that play gives information, I mean, it is rooted in me. I believe that children are their most natural selves when they play. So if I am wanting to help someone, truly help someone, I meet them at their most natural place. So in consideration to this firm belief in play, once my son was diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder, as a family, we selected to engage in floor time therapy instead of the extremely popular ABA therapy. Floor time therapy was developed over 40 years ago by a child psychiatrist named Dr. Stanley Greenspan. Now, In floor time, it is a relationship-based therapy for children with autism. The intervention is called floor time because the parents get down on the floor with the child and play and interact with the child at the child's level. The long and short of it is you step into the child's world and you teach from the inside out. My child is 13 years old, and till this day, I still consider the six key milestones of floor time when engaging with my son. Floor time aims to help children reach these six key milestones that contribute to emotional and intellectual growth. And those six milestones are one, self-regulation and interest in the world, two, Intimacy or engagement in relationships. Three, two-way communication. Four, complex communication. Five, emotional ideas. And lastly, six, emotional thinking. All of that good stuff that I just listed can be developed through play. So you can say with 100% certainty that Dr. L is sipping on the play Kool-Aid. So five years later, when I opened a preschool of my own, I most certainly made it a play-based curriculum. In our preschool, we service children between the ages of two and a half and three and a half years old. By the time I opened the preschool program, my son was a big kid, so I didn't have much opportunity to play with young children. The preschool had very capable teachers who worked directly with the children, and I spent my time working directly with the teachers to ensure they had the tools, skills, and information needed to be effective facilitators of learning for our children. Well, one day, near the beginning of this past preschool year, I got a call telling me that my lead teacher was ill. Therefore, I needed to go in and teach our children because the teacher was going to be out for several weeks. Now, mind you, I work in early childhood education, but I work with adult learners, equipping them to work best with young children and their families. It had been many years since I'd been on the floor with preschoolers every day. Needless to say, 
I took my vitamins before I went in because working with young children is a high energy job. Day one, I went in with my lead teacher's lesson plans. I greeted the parents. After we were done with our morning routine, we went in and did some exploratory play. I rang the bell. We met on the carpet for our morning meeting. We did calendar time. We sung some songs. We read a book and all that good preschool stuff. After which, it was time to ring the bell to make the choo-choo train line to head outside for outdoor play. Easily the most exciting time during a preschool day. Well, second to snack. Once the children were outside and they were in their most natural environment, their play laboratories, they began working diligently doing the research that children do when they play. And I had the opportunity to observe the children. During play and the observations that happen during play, I am able to get to know the children better. The first thing I noticed was a little girl who had been quite quiet during exploratory play and also during morning meeting, except when we were singing the songs. Now, I noticed that during outdoor play, she was also quite quiet. So I asked one of the assistant teachers for more information about the child. I learned from the assistant teacher that the child sings often and recites nursery rhymes, but really doesn't use words to express her independent thoughts just yet. With that information, I instructed the teacher to start taking notes on the child, collecting data. So I had the teacher document each coherent word the child said in the space of an hour. I instructed the teacher to do that for the duration of the three-hour preschool day, and then over the course of several weeks. Fast forward several weeks later, we worked with the parent to procure speech and language services for the child. I was alerted to this potential need by watching the child play. That first day of outdoor play, I also noticed a little guy that my teachers reported that they had to offer redirection to often. But on this day, I had the opportunity to watch him for myself in his laboratory to better understand his thought process and personality. I noticed that he had an affinity for a yellow Tonka truck. He did not appear to feel the need to play with other children. He appeared to really love and enjoy playing with the yellow Tonka truck alone. Now, in the outdoor area, we have cones as boundaries establishing the area that the children are allowed to play. Well, I noticed that the child stepped outside of the cones with the truck. The teacher immediately instructed the child to step back within the boundaries of the cones. The child reluctantly complied. 
I continued to watch and I noticed that another little boy wanted to play with the boy with the Tonka truck. And in the other little boy's desire to play with the little boy who loved the Tonka truck, he attempted to play with the Tonka truck too. Mm, mm, mm. That was not going to work. In response, the little boy who loved the yellow Tonka truck went just on the other side of the cones and took his yellow Tonka truck with him. The teacher immediately went to redirect the child with the yellow Tonka truck, who was now on the outside of the boundary of cones, and I stopped her. I stopped her because I had observed him play. As we watched the child, I explained to her that he was not attempting to act outside of her expectations of staying within the cones. He was seeking to build a boundary between him and the child who wanted to play with his beloved Tonka truck. Therefore, in order to keep him safely within the boundaries of the cones, she would need to establish a boundary for him within the cones that allowed him to play with his beloved Tonka truck without feeling as though it would be taken from him. That would be considered safety in the little guy's eyes. Play allowed me to observe this child's personality It allowed me to see an antecedent to his behavior, therefore giving me an explanation for his behavior and thus enabling us to give him a relevant consequence. Now, I don't think of consequence in the terms of punishment. I think of consequences as results, results for behaviors. We were able to provide a relevant consequence to the behavior that he showed us based on understanding the antecedent of the behavior, which was he didn't want his Tonka truck taken. So we help him establish a boundary around the Tonka truck using his words. I want to play with the Tonka truck by myself. That is his right, and we help him execute it in a healthy way. We provided the other child with the truck, and the two boys played in parallel. We not only learned something about the child, but we were also able to keep him safe, both physically and emotionally. Once the child's personalities and needs were identified and met, the child flourished for the remainder of the year and eventually became a positive leader in the learning environment. And once again, I fell in love with play. Because to my core, I'm a researcher. And what play does for you as a parent is it allows you to be a researcher too. A researcher on your most favorite subject in the whole wide world, your child. Now that we have seen the value of play in action, let's discuss some of the explicit benefits and values of play. While there are countless valuable benefits to play, today I'm going to identify five. 
Value number one, observation of play can assist you in identifying your child's developmental needs. Remember in our podcast episode, The Power of Words, we talked about instead of enumerating what your child isn't doing well or isn't doing yet, focus on the lesson. Well, play and the observation of play is what will allow you to identify what your child isn't doing well or isn't doing yet. So you can identify your child's developmental needs, then focus on the lesson needed to help your child procure those skills. As you work to help your child procure these skills, try your best to make the lessons fun and engaging and taught in the spirit of play, hands-on activities, and real-life experiences. For example, if you're working on number sense and counting, put the flashcards away. And count the number of jumps your child does when you're playing a jumping game. Or let your child count and place the apples in the bag while shopping in the produce section at the grocery store. Make a game out of it. Make it your thing. For more ideas about playing with your child to help develop skills, you can put cdc.gov developmental milestones in your search engine and find a wealth of information about identifying developmental milestones and the play you can initiate with your child at various ages and stages of growth and development. That leads us right into value number two. Observation of play can help you inform and collaborate with service providers. Now that you know the developmental milestones because you've gone to cdc.gov and you are engaging in play and the observation of play with your child, you are equipped to have conversations with service providers about concrete things that your child is doing or isn't doing yet. So, When your doctor asks you about milestones or what your child is doing at your regular doctor's visit, you are able to pull from data that you have collected while playing with your child. Additionally, when collecting this data through play, you may find the need to initiate a conversation with a service provider to get the assistance your child needs to best maximize their personal potential. To assist you in this, you can print out the CDC's milestone checklist or download the milestone tracker app, both of which are found on the website. These tools will help you keep track of your child's development and give you a place to take notes about the things you are observing. Then if you decide that your child needs additional assistance, you have solid documentation that you can provide to service providers as you advocate for your child's needs. Now, that's some good stuff right there. Now, let's move on to value number three. Engaging in play supports your child's social-emotional development. First and most important, 
When engaging in play with your child, you are forming secure bonds of attachment through time spent together. You're creating memories that will last a lifetime for both of you. Play provides the opportunity for you to give your child affirming words as they work through new skills. It gives you the opportunity to give hugs and kiss boo-boos immediately when they have had occurrences that are emotional or physically uncomfortable, thus reaffirming that you are there for them always. I can't say enough about the closeness that comes with play. Just think, when you as an adult have a friend that shows interest in the things that you do, you feel loved. As a child, if my thing is play and you show interest in the things that I do, I feel loved. Playing with your child is another expression of love. Now, value number four, play assists children in developing problem-solving skills. Another one of my absolute favorite things in the world is watching children tinker. Tinkering is genius in the making. If you want to watch the scientific process from start to finish, watch a child tinker. By definition, Tinkering is the act of adjusting or working with something in an experimental way, essentially trying to figure it out. Now, when watching a child tinker, you will see them make an observation. You can see their brains ask a question. You can see them come to a testable explanation or hypothesis and then make a prediction based on that hypothesis and test it out. And then they repeat this over and over again. Just natural born scientists, natural born problem solvers in their most natural laboratory play. Boom, honey, that is good stuff right there. I love me some play. And finally, value number five, play provides practice for children to live and work in a diverse and cooperative society. One of the main reasons we teach problem-solving skills to children is to help them develop decision-making skills when it comes to themselves and engaging with others. Through pretend play and games, children simulate real-life activities. They get to practice working with other children who are different than they are. And in time, when they grow up, they will work with adults who are different than they are. Additionally, children are learning together to work to solve those problems. Essentially, what we want them to be able to do as adults, work together within a diverse and cooperative society to solve problems and find solutions to make the world a better place. Now, all of that happens during play. 
If you want to see some real life ingenuity and working togetherness, watch children in a dramatic play area in an early childhood education environment. They will assign roles. They will assign tasks. A leader will emerge. A dictator will be overthrown. An objective will be developed. They will work together to achieve that objective. Now, the rules may change several times throughout the course of that dramatic playtime, but that holds true for adults. The rules change throughout life, and we have to be flexible, use our village, and roll with it. And just think, all of that we can learn in kindergarten while playing. In closing, I cannot express enough how valuable and beneficial play is for children and their families. So make time for your child to play every day. For children, play is serious business. And for you, it provides a wonderful opportunity to collect data, form bonds, and get to know your child better as you prepare them for a diverse and cooperative society. So promise me this, you're going to take time to walk into your child's laboratory today. Boom! Each week on Straight Talk with Dr. L, I will work through a topic related to young children, families, parenting, or womanhood with my top-notch village to which you now belong. So, to ensure the topics are relevant to your needs, concerns, and interests, the topics for each episode will be developed based on questions submitted to AskDrL at KinderJam.com. So, shoot me an email at AskDrL at KinderJam.com. And lastly, remember, it takes a village. And if you didn't have one before, you certainly have one now. And together, we got this. Boom! Let's talk again soon.